Hello, everybody. If we haven't met, my name's Ryan Moore, and I'm the pastor of CARE here at the Life Christian Church in West Orange, New Jersey. Today, we continue our series on courageous characters. And I would like to uh, tell the story of Dorcas and how she had courageous impact. You know, everyone has the desire to do something meaningful with their life, to make a difference, to have a sense of worth and value, to be someone significant. And so God has placed that desire in each one of our hearts. The good news is that God has created each of us for a specific purpose. And true joy and fulfillment is found in discovering that purpose and pursuing it passionately. You may have never heard of this woman named Dorcas, but she was well known in her city. We learn about her in Acts chapter 9 as part of Luke's account of the ministry of the apostle Peter. It's an amazing story. And rather than just focus on Peter and the miracles God did through him, I want to focus today on Dorcas. She was having a significant impact on her world. And so let's glean some lessons from her life. Turn with me, whether in your Bible or your browser, to Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 42. It reads, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. The first thing we understand and find out about Dorcas is her character in verse 36. We learn about Dorcas because she lived in Joppa, and Joppa was a major city of Israel, a city located on the Mediterranean coast, about 30 miles west of Jerusalem. And goods from other parts of the world were shipped there on a regular basis. And as a result, many people from many different parts of the world walked along these streets. Because it was a busy shipping center, Joppa was a good place from which to spread the gospel to the Gentile world. I believe that God in his providence deliberately placed Dorcas in a city such as this so that the gospel message could spread throughout the lands. Second, we find that she, was a very, she had a very lovely name. In Aramaic, her name was Tabitha. But in Greek, her name was Dorcas. Both names, Tabitha and Dorcas, meant gazelle. The gazelle is used symbolically in the Bible in several different ways. For one thing, the gazelle was a symbol of grace. Gazelles are also a symbolic 
of exquisite beauty, and the gazelle was a symbolic of swiftness and speed. And so Dorcas's name then brought to mind the image of grace, beauty, and swiftness at a time of need. And while I suspect that this name was given to her at birth, people who grew to know her and love her couldn't help but feel this was the best name for her. She was certainly a woman of grace. She was certainly a woman who was beautiful in spirit as well as in appearance, and she was certainly very swift to meet the needs of those around her. A third thing we're told about Dorcas, the most important thing of all, is that she was the disciple of Jesus Christ. A little while before this, a great persecution arose against Christians in Jerusalem. And as a result, these believers were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. We're told that those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word according to Acts chapter 8 verse 4. And so perhaps Dorcas heard the gospel as a result of the preaching of these scattered believers. And she believed and placed her trust in Jesus as a result of what she heard. She became a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, a woman who is gazelle-like in other ways can't help but be a particular blessing to those around her because Jesus has taken up residence in her. And so Dorcas was not a high-profile leader. Her ministry did not make the headlines. There was no spotlight on Dorcas, but Dorcas was a disciple of Jesus. She was an ordinary woman who loved and cared for those around her. And God's grace overflowed from her. She welcomed others into her life because Jesus welcomed her into his life. Whenever anyone reflects the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, it is extraordinary. And so Dorcas was the first woman to be mentioned in Scripture as a female disciple. Dorcas bears the privilege and the burden of being the only name Mathtria in the Greek, known as a noun used in the feminine form. So the definition of that word is a female disciple. In the New Testament, the burden of being the first is the expectation of being a role model for all those to follow after, to set the pace for future leaders. The first should impact the community in positive and transformative ways, opening doors for others. To be among the few or even the first on some level is marked by uncertainty. Dorcas had to be courageous to step out to those who were marginalized and to serve God with all that she had. Such an honor and responsibility does not mean that there were not others before her that should have been, could have been called mastria, but sometimes timing is everything. A final thing we're told about Dorcas was that she displayed her love and devotion to Jesus Christ in very practical ways in her life. We're told that she was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Good works is a phrase that speaks of general acts of kindness to people. But charitable deeds 
is more specific. It has to do particularly with acts of mercy that relieve the burdens of the poor and those who are needy. So the nature of these good works and charitable deeds can be seen in verse 39 because there we read of all the widows who are showing the clothing, the tunics, and the garments Dorcas had made while she was with them. I suspect they were showing them by the fact that they were wearing them. Dorcas' blessed hands were continually at work in practical ways, meeting the pressing needs of those around her. She didn't just do the things in a half-hearted manner, but as the Bible says, she was filled with such deeds. That is, those deeds permeated her life and ruled her conduct because it sprang from a heart that was overflowing with the love she had for Jesus. And she just didn't do these good deeds and charitable acts on an occasional basis because the Bible uses a tense of the verb that describes them as things which she did as a regular pattern in her life. She wove fabric and made clothing and delighted in outfitting the poor. She knew her hands could do a good job because her heart found its good in Jesus. So to those with need, she was an answer to prayer. And to those who wondered if they had any good gifts that they could offer to a king, she was a reminder that all gifts shine when seen through the prism of love, even simple things such as needles and thread. I hope that this story of the Bible encourages you and the character of Dorcas gives you inspiration. Perhaps you don't feel that you have the ability to speak in front of crowds or lead Bible study groups, or perhaps you don't feel that you have the talents or the gifts that would stand out in a church. But God has placed you where you are for a reason. And if you embrace the example of Dorcas from the heart and you've got two hands, then surrender those hands and your heart to Jesus in meeting the needs of those he has placed around you. Ask the Lord to show you how you can work together with other members of the body of Christ to meet the needs of others. All he requires is that you make yourself available to him. And he will use the talents and the abilities he has already given you to bless and meet the needs of others. The second thing we find out about Dorcas is that she had impact. Without giving us any details, Luke, a physician, simply tells us it happened in those days that she became sick and died. Dorcas died of some tragic illness. And we're told that according to the custom of the Jewish people, they washed her body as if in preparation for burial, according to verse 37. Can you imagine the loving tenderness with which the believers in Joppa cared for this precious woman? But we're also told that even though they prepared her body in the traditional way for burial, they didn't immediately bury her. Talk about having courageous faith. 
you're going against tradition here, washing her body but not yet burying her. Instead, we're told that they laid her in an upper room. It might have been because this dear woman, Dorcas, was so precious to the people around her, they just couldn't bring themselves to burying her right away. But I suspect that more was involved. I suspect that they were holding on to the hope that God could heal her and even raise her from the dead. They heard in verse 38 that Peter was staying in the nearby town of Lydda, just seven to 10 miles from Joppa. Some marvelous news had come out of Lydda recently concerning Peter and his ministry. We read of that in Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 35, where there's a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, and he's paralyzed, and Peter heals him in the name of Jesus. He tells him to arise and make your bed, get up. And he arose, and the Bible tells us that there were people from Lydda and Sharon who saw him and what? Turned to the Lord. And so when the grieving disciples in Joppa heard that Peter was still nearby in Lydda, they wasted no time. They sent two men to him, begging him to come to them as quickly as possible. Perhaps their sense of urgency was because of the fact that Dorcas had just died. Perhaps in all frankness, they thought, the sooner Peter gets here, the less her body will undergo decay and the greater likelihood that she can be revived. I suggest that their hopes for a miracle show something of Dorcas's impact on the people around her. Dorcas was such a beloved woman to those around her that if they had any chance of getting her back, they grabbed it. Luke tells us that as soon as the two men came for him, he arose and went with them. And then he arrived and he took them to the upper room where Dorcas' body had been placed. And there surrounding him were all the widows. Peter's surrounded by all the widows. They're weeping and showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. And in those days where this story takes place, there were few people in culture who were more destitute than widows. They were usually considered the most neediest people in society. Helpless women who typically had no one in their lives who could care for them. These widows, however, had Dorcas. It's a testimony to Dorcas that they had more to show for her impact on them than just pleasant memories. I believe the scene in the upper room was like this, if I can illustrate. Widows coming to Peter and, and saying, Peter, she helped me. She helped me so much, Peter, that my child was getting cold because we had no garments. We had nothing, and she made this for us, Peter. She, she kept my child warm that night, Peter. I, I think another one came to her and, and, and said, she sat nights with me, Peter. She bought this one for my baby when we had nothing to wear. 
She, she sat there with us and she knitted this and she wove this together for us and we were both warm that season because of Dorcas. I think another one came and said, look, Peter, this is what she made recently for us. And she brought meals with us to eat together. We had nothing to eat. And, and this one was the one that she made for my birthday. It was a gift. She reminded me that I was important in God's eyes. Peter, she walked with us to church gatherings. Peter, Dorcas kept after me. She made sure I was doing well. Dorcas herself had been with them. Not just that she made things for them. Her life was intricately woven with these women. May our impact in the lives of others be the same. May it be that we don't merely impact people from a distance, but that our acts of loving, compassion, and care are felt by them while we are with them. Dorcas had an impact among those whom she loved while she lived amongst them. And yet one of the greatest impacts in the lives of others was about to occur through something that was totally outside of her control. Here we really see it, and it's the third thing we understand and find out about Dorcas, and that is her usefulness to God. When Peter saw the situation, the body of Dorcas laying in the upper room, the grieving, the desperate disciples, the weeping of the widows, and most likely children as well, and the needy all around him, he had to decide what to do. I suspect he knew that God's mighty hand was at work in all of this. I suspect that he saw an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel in Joppa and for the growth and faith of new believers who lived there. But how should he respond to all of it? I believe that right then Peter remembered what he saw his master do. He simply did what Jesus did in a similar situation. He remembered how Jesus raised someone else from the dead. Do you remember the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 51 through 56? It was the story of the daughter of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. This man came to Jesus one day in desperation, falling on his knees, and he's begging Jesus to come and lay his hands on his dying daughter and heal her. And Jesus consented to go, but while he was on his way, the girl's life left her. Those who brought the news to Jairus said that his daughter had died. Now, he should not trouble Jesus anymore. But Jesus told him not to be afraid, only to believe. Peter was present to witness this remarkable display of power of Jesus. He was one of the privileged disciples that had been permitted to enter the little girl's room with Jesus. And he saw with his own eyes how Jesus raised her. First, Peter put all the mourners and the weeping widows outside. He needed to be able to kneel down and pray beside the body of Dorcas privately so that he could entrust himself and the situation to the power and the authority of Jesus. And after 
Kneeling in prayer, Peter turned to Dorcas's body, following once again the example of his master. He spoke to Dorcas. He even spoke to her in the words that were very similar to those spoken by Jesus when he turned to the little girl in Aramaic. He said, Talitha kumi, which meant, little girl, I say to you, arise. Peter, also speaking in Aramaic, called Dorcas Tabitha. And if he used her Aramaic name, it's most likely that he said the Aramaic command, Tabitha Kumi, Dorcas, I say to you, arise. At this, Dorcas opened her eyes, and upon seeing Peter, she sat up. The Bible says that Peter called the saints and widows up to the upper room and presented Dorcas alive to them, according to Acts chapter 9, verse 41 and 42. There's no funeral necessary. Dorcas is alive. I imagine that in Joppa, in that day, it became a place where people said, Joppa is where the dead things come back to living. I want to say this. Many of you are watching today, and God has brought you to the Life Christian Church because it's the place where the dead things in your life come back to living. Personally, I want you to know that's my journey. Before coming here five months ago, many things in my life, the talents that God had given me, the skills and the gifts and the passion went dormant. But life can get at you sometimes. But I want you to know this. This has been the place for me and for many of you watching today where the dead things come back to life. What areas is God about to resurrect in your life today? Let him do it. I want to start to close with four reasons why courage is an action. Courage is the stuff of impact and action that Dorcas had. You don't just have the courage character trait. Courage makes sense only in the context of putting action behind it. You have to have courage to do something. And so number one, courage rests upon a clear assignment from God. The talents and the gifts and the skills are only part of the equation. When you have an assignment from God, you have to execute. And execution takes courage. Dorcas had courage to impact the marginalized in Joppa. But number two, courage rests upon the assurance of God's presence. God will not give us a job to do without giving us the tools to do it. His tools and his job. His tools for Dorcas was needles and thread, and she impacted a whole city. We don't need much, but when it's in the hands of God, it's supernatural. Number three, Courage rests upon focus, determination. Discouragement comes in life. Even though we can be certain that God has called us to a certain thing, we can grow weary and we can get discouraged and we want to quit. But we have to be what we want others to be. Come. Dorcas, I believe, wanted the widows at Joppa 
to be disciples of Jesus, and Scripture confirms that they did just that. Number four is courage is resourced and driven by the Word of God. The Word of God in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Prosperity and success in the things of God depend upon your personal investment in knowing, understanding, and applying God's Word. We're not given any further details about Dorcas's life, but Scripture says in verse 42, this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. I suspect that no greater honor could be granted to Dorcas than that she could be used by God to bring many people to faith in Jesus Christ. That again is the true heart's desire of any disciple that individuals they ministered to, they served, came to faith in Jesus. And so this week, Life Christian Church, how do we apply God's word? Think about the things that you love to do. What brings you joy? How might you be able to share that joy with someone you know in your community or someone in your family that you know or someone that is a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus Christ? And how can you use that joy and the things that you love to do as a way of service and ministry this week to someone so that you build relationships and God will use the very simple things in life to bring them to faith? Be encouraged this week and let us take the example of Dorcas with us as we go about spreading God's love in ever-widening circles.